So that and all of the signs, they point forward to this seventh and greatest sign at the culmination of the story, Jesus' own resurrection from the dead. It vindicates Jesus' claim to be the Son of God, the author of all life, whose love has conquered death itself. After the empty tomb, Jesus then meets up with all the disciples, and he commissions them by sending the Spirit as he promised, so that his mission from the Father can now be carried on through them. The word this morning comes from the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, verses 19 through 23. Hear the word of the Lord. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me. I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on him and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive one his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive, then they are not forgiven. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The resurrection was probably undoubtedly the proclamation of the early church from the very beginning, which makes sense. Now the early church and the Christians didn't only endorse Jesus' teachings, but they had experienced it. They had seen him alive after he had been dead, buried, walking around. And they heard stories from other people. Pretty small community. Good gossip even travels pretty fast. They told people how Christ in his rising and the promises had changed their lives. And they wanted to share with others. However, since this even was the centermost of their conviction, they wanted it to be true and they wanted evidence. They wanted to be absolutely sure that what would be given in word and passed on from person to person was in truth and of the Lord, which the writing did not come to much later. So we have the appearances recorded in several weeks of Jesus sighting and being with people. And after his death and resurrection, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene, John 28, and chapter 20, verses 10 through 18. The other women, Matthew 28, 8 through 10. Cleophas, another disciple on the road to Damascus, Luke 24, 13, 32. Peter uh, and other disciples were together, with the exception of Thomas on that first time of 20 through 19, 23. John uh, in 2024, 20, 29 apostles, and with, that was with Thomas as well. And the other the apostles in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. And the apostles on the Mount of Olives during his ascension. Luke 24, 50 through 52. So we have the, with the proof here that was written later to back up. It wasn't going to be a tale because there were stories going around that the disciples had tried to trick everyone that Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. Someone, I don't know how they did it, perhaps one of the stories, someone was going around dressed like Jesus. He really wasn't there. But they had the proof, and they want to be taken seriously. And this is how this became for us to follow. So here we are one week after Easter. How's it going for you? How are you today? Is the excitement of last Sunday, Easter Sunday, being over with repentance and going through Lent and the celebration of the risen Christ and the resurrection last week. Do you still have family here or are they cleared out or the good meal that's been prepared and enjoyed the company and celebrated together? This sermon will focus on our lives after Easter or the day of resurrection. But before dealing with how we feel about this, uh, then we're, we're going to talk about how the disciples dealt with this. Now remember, they didn't have this. Yes, they had the Lord Jesus and all the memories that he had said. It's one week after Easter. 
and it follows a central character for me and perhaps for you of Thomas. He's our representative in that teeny tiny upper room that many are going to be able to experience when you go to Israel with, with our lead pastor, Forrest. Experience and see that actual room where the disciples and Jesus were. Some of you have already been there. I see some heads shaking back there, Bill and Claudia. What a wonderful, exciting time that would be. One week after the resurrection. Our text gives us a quick glimpse back to Easter and the splendid revelation of God's glory in Christ's resurrection. The disciples were huddled in fear behind a locked door because they didn't know what was going to happen next to them. They were so fearful of the Jews, with the exception of Thomas, who was not there. We don't know why Thomas wasn't there. There wasn't a lot of things said. He might not have wanted to be in, maybe Thomas wasn't a groupie, but what we've learned about Thomas, he wasn't much of a groupie. Perhaps he was out walking and, and trying to put the pieces together of what the Lord had said, what had happened, and what was going to happen. So maybe he was trying to, to put this together as, as what, he, what he could believe and what he could buy into, if you will. Jesus appears to them through the locked doors, uh, and when he does, only reveals his resurrection, not only. He gives them their marching orders. He doesn't say who's here. <laughs> How was your weekend? Well, let me tell you about mine. He didn't say anything about that. He gave them marches and orders, and he says, As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In other words, you have the privilege and the responsibility to tell others about my resurrection and the eternal life that I offer now. I will leave this task in your hands. Well, I'm not sure that that the disciples at that time were thinking it through clearly. Gosh, we get to do all these great things that you did. Not thinking how they're going to do them, perhaps. But he elated to see Christ, to see him there. They had seen his hands. They had seen his side. They couldn't get past this wonderful miracle. And what it meant to them, I can't imagine they even understood what it was going to mean to the rest of the world. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not to be confused. It's what we call the big Pentecost in a few weeks when the thunderous wind came through the upper room and was frightening in a way. But fire came through. It looked like a flame landed on each of the disciples. And they began to speak in tongues, as we're told in the Bible. And that simply meant they were speaking in other languages. So in a few weeks that uh, they could hear and understand other people's culture. And they could understand the language they were speaking. And also could be understood as well. So don't miss the Pentecost sermon when Peter preached his first sermon. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And again, they began to speak in other languages he also said, I have given you the power to forgive sins. I have forgiven that by the Holy Spirit. Because you see, we then, even now, 
We can do nothing without the Holy Spirit. We can have all the gifts that Jesus gives us, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing, nothing at all for him. For some reason, we said Thomas was absent from the disciples. He didn't get to see Jesus that night. Now the other disciples are sharing, as we said, the wonderful news with Thomas. Thomas, guess what? We saw Jesus. He came. He came to see us. Yeah, Thomas says, yeah. Probably let the air out of their balloons, but they didn't seem to mind that. Now, earlier in John's Gospels, he, he related to Thomas as a courageous uh, pessimist. I like that description. An honest uh, skeptic. Now, we have people like that today. We have all sorts of people. You know, Let me think this through. Hmm. I'm not going to jump out at what your answer says. I've got to think about it, measure it. Let's see what happens. If you've been in a family of lawyers, you know all about that. Steve's still in the room. I don't know if he's still in, in the room. But, but anyway, he had been out walking around himself, and, but later in the same room, Thomas was there, and Jesus appeared before him. Didn't need to unlock the door. He just walks through the wall and appears. And when he says, I can picture the disciples being so excited. And just sitting over here buzzing and talking about all kinds of things. And Thomas sitting over here maybe in the corner with his arms crossed, his ankles crossed, and the fur look on his brow. And he says, I'm going to believe it when I see it. Sounds like some of us. That statement has come down through the ages have you ever heard I used my kids used to say that prove it sometimes I proved it they didn't like the proof but we've heard those things that have been established through the ages believe believing without seeing Thomas doubted Yes, and yet when others claim to throw the very first stone at him, which of us have never had the smallest doubt, the smallest doubt about the deity of God and what God's up to. When we look around the world today, the trouble in this world, the pain, the suffering, even our own church and our own communities, the senseless violence and have thought, how could a good God let this continue on? We don't have the answers, but we have to trust. Perhaps we have been challenged by uh, competing beliefs. We have those almost every day if you listen. Someone else's belief against our own belief. We are challenged by those. And I think in our sense and our grace that the Lord has given us, that we listen to those beliefs that they have. Listen to them in their heart, but not letting it change ours because we know what we believe when we study and we pray in the leading of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps we might be like Thomas and struggle to believe the words of others that have heard it first and did not hear it firsthand 
Tom is not left sitting and doubting. The text now turns to him with a wonderful message of grace. Jesus appears, I said, with all the disciples. But he directly addresses Thomas. He's not over with these other buzzing around what's going on. Now, think about in our humanness. At that time, at one time, Jesus was fully human and fully divine. He didn't come through that room and said, what have you been thinking, Thomas? How many times have I told you before I left, I've been telling you what was going to happen. I had to be chosen. I had to be whipped. I had to be killed. I told you I would rise again. Did you not believe any of that? Where were you? You weren't here with your buds and being supported. Jesus didn't do that. See, Thomas had been left out by himself to be wandering and thinking about these things and probably on his own decision. Jesus did not lecture him. He did not dis discipline him. He did not chastise him. Instead, Jesus wishes him peace. You know what? Over 2,000 years later, I think we can learn something from that, do you not? This is a wonderful thing about this text. When he said, peace be with you, Thomas. Come, Thomas. The patience, the mercy, the compassion. Put your hand in my side. Well, you see it, you ought to believe it. No. Jesus said, come and put your hand in my side. Thomas didn't need to do that. Because earlier, if you remember, Mary Magdalene would call him Lord. His disciples would call Jesus Lord. His followers called him Lord. But this was the first time when Thomas stood up. And he looked at him and he said, my Lord and my God. It was not only Lord now, but my Lord and my God. Thomas finally got it. And he went deeper. And it was revealed somehow to him, I think. He went much deeper in a more profound way. And we read on in many texts that the work that Thomas did following Jesus' ascension when he went back to heaven and they all were given their marching orders. It's coming. You're going to get your marching orders too. I've got my marching orders. And we even have drum. Well, we have drums up here, but no drummer. But we could have to go to that. Jesus is giving that same command today. He's telling each of us, go and tell others. No excuse about, I don't know how to tell others. One of the best ways you do it, tell him your story of what Jesus has done for you and listen to theirs. Without judgment, say, I'm here for you to help work it through. This is called the Great Commission. Go into all the world and tell people. It's listed in Matthew 28 that we'll be looking at in another Sunday. 
This is a call to all baptized believers. And the belief John is striving for is not a general openness in this, what he's saying. He left a lot of things out of his gospel that were in the other gospels because he had a central message, and that was belief and salvation. He was very specific. That Jesus is the Christ, the son of the Messiah. Jesus is the son of David promised to them for over a thousand years and pointed to by in the sense of being king of Israel. It's a clear and clear as Jesus' relationship as a son and a father. A father is one together of equality and shared divinity. Relationship as a son and a father with shared identity. Equality and shared identity. Like Thomas, there are times that we are challenged, at least I know I am. We will doubt. But you know what the good news is? God doesn't let us sit forever. He doesn't let Thomas sit very long. He knew he was struggling. He doesn't let us sit with our arms crossed, our ankles crossed, given that look on our face. He says, get up. Start studying. Listen to me. Believe in me. In our times of doubt, we can search by reading his word, by being with Christians and talking about that. That is why it is so important to be a part of a group of Christians that talk about these things and keep them alive in your heart. One week after Easter, one short week, in a crowded little room, doors locked with the disciples. Where do you sit? Do you sit over with the crowd that are buzzing around? Or do you sit over here with Thomas? Thinking. Perhaps you're sitting by your by yourself. You're on your own, neither excited nor doubting, just being lukewarm. Oh, be careful there, people. Be careful being lukewarm. So the purpose of John's gospel is that you may believe. The proof is here. The proof is here. It's been tested. John has pointed to the blessedness of belief. For those who have not seen Jesus, you and me. And he said, blessed are those who have not seen me and still believe. Yes, the ones that saw him were blessed, but we have not seen him. But we can close our eyes and see in, in what is recorded here. It's just as important. And the responsibility is just the same.
Jesus did many, many miracles and many signs. They're just not recorded in this book. What it says in John, all the books of the world could not hold them. But he's being specific on believing, having faith, and accepting him as a Lord and our God. That is the central theme. These are written so we can believe in the deity of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. It's chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Wherever you sit today in that small room with the disciples or with John, or you sit alone, or just simply doesn't matter that you're lukewarm. I encourage you not to look at Thomas as a person to be avoided, but a representative of you and of me because of being there, of doubting. And a word that one other words have not been firsthand, but just as good here. To believe that we have been given the same power as the disciples, but also the same responsibility to go and tell others that he is risen. He has risen indeed, and the story of salvation. And so you see, Jesus stands before us today and shows us his hands, not pretty. Shows us the wound in his side and invites us to believe and know the truth and stand with Thomas and say, my Lord, my God, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May we stand together now so appropriately and say the Apostles' Creed. Around the world, Christians uh, believe many things, and there are nuances to Presbyterians and Baptists and Episcopalians and Catholics. And, but what we have in common is this creed that says, this is who we are, this is what we believe, this is why we believe. And we share this with Christians around the world as we recite it together this morning. I believe in God, the Father, Father Almighty, Creator Maker of heaven and earth. earth. I believe, believe in Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ, His, His only Son, Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born, born of the Virgin Mary, Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate, Pilate was crucified, died, died and was buried. He descended to the dead. Day. On the third Three day, he rose from the dead. He ascended, ascended into heaven, heaven is seated at the, at the right hand of God the Father, and will come Thought again to judge the living and the dead. dead. I, believe I believe in the Holy, in the Holy Spirit, Spirit, the Holy Catholic, Catholic Church, the, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. This is a time we talk about prayer. I would invite you sometime, if you take the time,
to write down in your week how many times you actually pray. The world comes in and we get so busy. There's 168 hours in a week. Our work takes so much. And sometimes we think we're praying. Why should we? We have the Spirit. Allow the Spirit working in us to hear from God what he wants us to do for clarification. And sometimes you're going to say, once you develop a good relationship, you're going to say, you want what, when? Praying to God. That time is so important. I know my younger daughter sent me something several years ago, and she knows her mother pretty well. And she sent me this little sign that sits on my table beside my bed. It says, Mother, be sure you pray for the day for Jesus to lead you instead of asking for so much forgiveness at the end of the day. Sometimes we get so busy, we start our day without prayer. I don't know when it's good for you, but have that daily time with Jesus. Become acquainted to where you hear his voice. You can follow, and you know what is true. The other things we listen to, but we are convinced, and we know what it is that God wants of us and the tremendous responsibility that we have and privilege of prayer. So now, shall we take a couple of moments, if you would, just listen to God. Your personal time, your personal needs. And sometimes he said, yes. Sometimes he says, not right now. And sometimes he just says, no. But we have to listen. So shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for so much that you gave us your Son. He came in as a personhood as a baby and grew up and knew all the humanness, being part human and part divine. The way the world suffers, the way individuals suffered. Let him walk along in teaching, teaching every moment to his disciples, healing calling people to know what the resurrection would bring of hope, belief, and a time to live with you, a time to live with you as you live, to be as you are. We may not understand that, but in the book of John, you tell us we don't know what it will be like, but we will be like him for all eternity. As Lord, as we look at this world, we look at our community, we have so much evidence of pain and suffering. Lord, in our medical communities, 
The beds are full of those that are ill, those that have diseases of the body, those that have diseases of the mind, and some of those cannot be healed with a Band-Aid. Help those that are needed to come alongside of, to help them with whatever problems they have, to give them hope, to share Christ. Give them a reason to be healed and what to do after the healing. Make them whole. Lord, enter our hearts and our minds and our bodies. Make us whole to be able to serve you. We're not here to take up space. We are here to serve you. We don't know what the next hour will bring. We don't know what the next day will bring. And Lord, we don't want to be negative about that, but we want to understand that we need to be doing this and be conscious on a daily basis. And Lord, there are several things that seem a mystery to us about your appearance and to your disciples. However, we ask you that you send your Holy Spirit again and again so that we may be filled to overflowing. Send us to fulfill your mission in our world that sins might be forgiven through the amazing power of grace relieved by your resurrection. Help us to believe in you. Help us to trust you, believing and knowing that you can provide our salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. we enter a time of receiving our tithes and offerings in the seat backs in front of you are cards both for um, filling out your prayer concerns and um, and your celebrations for answered prayers we have two boxes in the back um, on both corners as you go out through the doors one for those prayer concerns and for those celebrations, and the other for your tithe and offering as uh, we give it to the church for the ministries that we do in God's name. One of those opportunities um, includes the United Methodist Committee on Relief where we are channeling our uh, gifts to help the people in the Ukraine through whatever those means are. Um, not everybody has an inroad in uh, to Ukraine in that daily situation, but um, um, UMCOR has boots on the ground in uh, the countries adjacent and um, seeing to it that supplies and ministries happen in the midst of that. Um, we lift our prayers um, and we give our gifts knowing that God works through those gifts, may we receive our offering and pray Jesus' recompense.
like for you to turn to your neighbor and say peace be with you he is risen he is risen indeed okay. may the lord be with you 
May his face shine upon you. May his grace be abounding in your life. Though the quickness of thought, the quickness of heart, quickness of feet, let's go tell that he is risen. He is risen indeed. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and God's people said, Amen. And God's people said, Let's go to it. Your praise and joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is sure. 